You are listening to the Wisdom of Wealth podcast. My name is Ryan Haley. And my name is Kyle Kempers. Whether you're at the top of your game or you're just getting started, we are here to add as much value as we possibly can to your financial education. If you want to find out more, head on over to wisdomofwealth.co. Well, welcome back to the Wisdom of Wealth podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Haley. And of course, we have Kyle Kempers, my main man. Kyle, it's good to see you again in person now for the first time in a while. Yeah, it's good to see you too, Ryan. We were kind of out of pocket in the first couple weeks of this year. Yeah, we were, and I know we talked about that in uh, some of the recent episodes, but uh, we wanted to give a little bit of extra time for the holidays. I got super sick over Christmas and New Year, go figure, and then uh, we were just getting back in the swing of things, and as we talked about in our last week, you know, talking about due diligence, compliance, like legal, just those things that could get you in trouble that a lot of people don't know about. So we thought it would be better to wait and kind of get our ducks in a row. And turned out it was really good that we did because it was a very timely conversation on multiple levels. Right. And can you explain why it was timely? So I had just been speaking to an ex-FINRA regulator who works for a compliance consulting firm I've been talking to recently. And Then you and I talked, and before we recorded the podcast, you were telling me about some things you were looking into that I was vaguely familiar with. And then we had another presentation right after our podcast that was talking about pretty much like three or four things we had just mentioned and that I had just spoken with the ex-regulator about that morning. And so it's just one of those things where most of the time nobody's doing anything uh you know malicious or wrong thus unfortunately there are some bad apples which is why we have so much crazy regulation and complexity but it's just a lot of people who are well meaning probably have a good business or investment opportunity but just don't know all the ins and outs and they are a huge just rabbit trail of different layers of complexity and regulation from different organizations at different governmental levels and so again we make no uh no representations that we know any of that. We are just talking to you informally as people who are navigating this maze ourselves. So that's another thing we want to be in the habit of doing at the very beginning of these episodes is saying, look, we are not CPAs, attorneys, financial planners, investment advisors, or anything yet. Again, in full disclosure, I am in the process of getting my certified financial planning designation and possibly fairly soon my um, licensed Series 65 investment advisor representative which is why I've been looking into this, but we just want to make sure we're being real clear from now on as a result of last week that Kyle and I, just to be very clear, we have our life and health insurance licenses. We do deal with a broad spectrum of things with our clients and the stuff we do personally, but officially on the record, we are just insurance licensed in those two lines, and we are not receiving any compensation from anything else besides that, at least at this point. And if we are, we will make sure to disclose that as we talked about last week. And we're passionate about financial education, but not through the form of advice. Exactly. And so that's really (laughs) like, I mean, that's why we, again, we keep coming back to this. And I I think it just gets proven out more and more every episode we do. And we talk to people and get feedback is this really is the heart of the podcast is financial education, right? By practitioners, people in the trenches, doing it themselves every day, working with a broad spectrum of clients, investors, business people, family, friends, different organizations. And, you know, that's why we're doing this stuff. We really want to add that value as we're learning things. And again, Kyle, I've said this before, you are uh, just since we started doing this podcast together last year, like six months or something like that, I have just seen you grow by leaps and bounds. And I know you've been talking about how it's just been an, a huge 
fire hose of good information that you're learning. And I've seen you just grow exponentially in the six months we've been doing this. Thanks for saying that. I was th- uh, talking through the strategy with a buddy today on identifying our strengths and weaknesses. And one of my strengths is like flying fast, flying high, trying to get over the top of things. But my weakness is going to be all those details that are in the weeds that you fly past when you're trying to get into things quickly. Mm-hmm. So I'm making a list starting today of all the details that I want to go back and do my due diligence to research and fully understand so that the structure that I'm standing on is actually founded in like logic and numbers and actual pen to and legally and ethically compliant legally and ethically compliant (laughs) we're not building anything that's illegal um uh, but all, all this to be said last week we left you with the concept of finding a tribe and finding people getting people around you because when you're surrounded by individuals that are also in the trenches and doing it with you then they can help you spot your blind spots as well as give you some wisdom and advice on how to navigate where you're going which segues us perfectly into today's conversation because as Ryan and I were talking before the podcast, he was saying that one of the things that he wants to dive into is the importance of having a relationship with a local lender. So Ryan, would you take us into that conversation and help us understand why this is so important and maybe how we could get started with beginning that conversation? Yeah, I mean, this is something until the last, I would say six to 12 months at most, I'd never really thought about or had much of a value for. And as we, especially when we're getting into these kind of niche you know, things that we talk about a lot, you know, the idea of borrowing against an existing asset so we don't have to sell it or withdraw it and cash out or liquidate. So it's continuously compounding and use that same money. So whether that's, you know, a home equity line of credit, a policy loan from a cash value life insurance policy, um, any number of ways, there's any, you know, number of assets you can collateralize a loan against. Um, And again, we talked about how it's very important how those details work. And for that reason, finding the right financing and just overall banking, you know, even just like your basic transactions. I had a very frustrating experience recently. I won't name the bank, but it's a very large, well-known bank. And they just, they tied my money up for 12 days, just for no good reason. And I bent over backwards to do everything that could reasonably be expected. And it was a pretty good amount of money it's not it's not an insignificant amount to just not have access to for 12 days and that cost me a lot in terms of both you know direct interest costs as well as opportunity costs and those are two things we talk about a lot in everything we're doing so that was super frustrating I didn't feel like I get a good response they're just a corporate juggernaut I'm obviously not important to them I've been banking with them for years you know had a lot of money sitting in their accounts using them a lot for different things they've been fine up until now but when these kinds of things happen and this isn't the first time it gets really frustrating. And I'm like, this is 2023. Why can't, why does it have to be this difficult? So, and then my So goodness. you fired Fels Wargo. <laughs> no, kidding. no, it's, it, w- it was not them, but <laughs> I haven't fired him yet, but it, I've had, I've lodged a formal well, complaint. I, d- I do want to interject here because one of the things that we all know is true when it comes to financing and investing is that positioning and timing are everything. They're right. key. So having yes. the ability to move when you need to move and do what you need to do is everything. So exactly. if your position is held in a bank and then when the timing comes, you can't move on it, mm-hmm. then your position is off and that's going to cost you. And so you can't be af- you can't afford the missed opportunity cost by just not having the right structure that sabotages everything for you. So That's really this is good. this is really good that you're talking about the importance of making sure that you f- shore up these relationships. No, it's, it's such a great point that you just interjected there, Kyle, because we talked about that last time too, right? That like 
you know, generally in the stock market, it, there's, you know, going to be constant deal flow, but in the kind of, you know, alternative investment classes and strategies we're talking about a lot, it's just like, you know, you never want to have that fear of missing out or that hasty decision, you know, to pull the trigger like we talked about last time. But at the same time, the time to be doing your due diligence, the time to be getting positioned and prepared so that you can pull the trigger when an opportunity comes is well before the potential time sensitive opportunity. And in a lot of these cases, as I'm learning, as you're starting to learn, there are just like, sorry, guys, we've got we're oversubscribed. We've got a, a subscription list a mile long. Like if you don't get your money into us and do all the things by X date, then, you know, I don't know when the next one's coming around. So th this is really good uh, to interject again that if you do not have the investment opportunity or the the next step in front of you, then what you should be currently doing is working on your positioning. Because if the timing isn't right now, then the positioning, the time to get your feet set and all your ducks in a row is now. Exactly. And part of that, like on a practical note, is identifying what funds are allocated to this opportunity when the opportunity comes. Because I, I know this isn't the case for everybody, especially more experienced individuals. I'm sure everyone gets tempted uh, at times to put in more than they want to put in. And so knowing what you can leverage and how much you can leverage before the opportunity is in front of you is also really important. Yeah. Um, because that's not a decision that you necessarily want to be putting yourself in at the moment and be yes. like, oh, do I want to leverage myself and put everything I've got in or 50%? You want to know beforehand. I've 30% allocated to this. When the time comes, I'm looking for X, Y, Z opportunities. And if something comes into my field of view that I wasn't expecting, at least I still have a certain level of planning that I put in place, which could be referenced as strategy, so that that strategy can help us execute with wisdom and make the decision the right way. That's so good, Kyle. And, you know, this is actually something we talk about in my uh, certified financial planning or CFP courses was having investment policy statements or just general financial planning policy statements, which are... Statements that are broad enough to, you know, apply to a wide variety of situations, but specific enough, at least in the policy statement, that there's no ambiguity as to what you're going to do in that particular context. Right. And, yeah. Well, and, and there was probably like five or six times. I know we've talked a little bit about infinite banking, and I know we want to do a video at some point here where we walk through numbers and you guys can see it. But there is five or six times last year where a client was was holding off or waiting to get set up until it was too late. And the setup process can take four to six weeks. Sometimes we can rush it and get it up and un underneath that four, four can weeks. It take four to but, six months sometimes, but too. But yeah, you never know. And a lot of that's out of our control. And yeah. so I, I've been encouraging people, uh, you know, learn from your failures. And so for me, the failure was not understanding the... Uh, the importance of getting things set up well in advance. Like, hey, the opportunity is not even in front of me. Great. This is perfect. This is the time where you want to get all of the, the stuff right. out of the way, all the details yes. and the, the things that are going to, that could cost you the missed opportunity cost down the road. Let's get that taken care of so that when the opportunity comes, you're already positioned to take it. Exactly. And that's something I just even had another conversation with a, a new client yesterday about that exact thing. And it was like, you know, and again, back to the conversation of today, it was about, for him, HELOCs, Home Equity Lines of Credit, which he has a ton of, um, you know, equity in his homes. He's got some, uh, he's got one line set up already, but that can take, you know, a long time. And especially when you're working with a big box lender, which have some great products, right? I've, I've recommended a number of those products. I've used them myself and they're great. The problem is they're usually a wholesale approach. So they're getting great 
you know, margins and volume so that they can give really good pricing and terms and discounts. The, pro <clears throat> the problem is that they don't tend to have, you know, the greatest, uh, the highest quality uh, representatives. Sometimes, sometimes you find some and it's amazing and it's, oh my gosh, when you find those people like latch onto them for dear life, but a lot of them, you know, nothing wrong with them. They're just either they're brand new, they're entry level people. They don't understand the nuances of their products because most people aren't doing the kind of more sophisticated, complex things that we are. So I find myself sometimes having to explain to the representative what their product actually is and how it works sometimes. And they ask me questions. I'm like, okay. And I try to phrase this diplomatically, but like, I'm like, Hmm, it doesn't seem like you fully understand uh, your product or how it works. And that is painfully borne out over several months in many cases. <laughs> right. There's that old saying uh, that, you can do things well, you could do things cheap, or you th could do things fast, but I can only do two at a time. Yeah, pick two. You pick two. Just pick two of those things. And so, I I mean, that could be a good lesson for some of this stuff. Like, you want to do it well, and you want it, You don't want to do it cheap, and so you're going to do it a little bit slower. So let's do it when we don't need to do things fast. Exactly. Like, if fast isn't in the equation, let's capitalize on the other two options. Right. Uh, or position yourself so that if there were ever a case, which we hope to avoid, but if there were one of those cases where you have a relationship, you've got a system, you've kind of got the wheels greased ahead of time so that they're, and I've had a couple of those situations where luckily we did have a time, it was a client with a big deal, a lot of money moving around. It was a big back and forth, but because we were working with a very professional qualified lender that I had worked with and trust, trusted in that case, it worked out. So that's kind of coming back to this idea of how to be able to be positioned and move money around. A lot of it has to do with, of course, underwriting. If we're talking about a life insurance policy with cash value or whatever, then there's a whole uh, medical underwriting and a financial underwriting process to that. If we're talking about home equity lines of credit, mortgages, business lines of credit, a lot of these different things that we have been going into recently, those can take a while to set up and they're not always straightforward either. So that's where I'm, you know, I've been seeing the importance and the value of having those things, those people and systems set up that are done well. And I've at the same time experienced very much the frustration and the missed opportunity and the direct costs of when those things are not in place. So when it comes to building a relationship with a bank, this is something I'm interested in, currently not operating in. What, what does that look like for you? How did you get going, like started down that, that road and, w and what are the practical steps that someone would take to, to begin that process? So to be honest, I am just learning about all this myself. Um, but what I can tell you is that, you know, I've had a, a good relationship with, um, you know, the bank that I've used personally for years, well before I did any of this kind of stuff. And because of that, they're generally inclined to give me, like they can approve me pretty quickly. Like I was kind of shocked at how quickly I was able to get a $100,000 unsecured personal loan last year. Now, I didn't get a great interest rate, but it was enough to make it work at the time. Having just recently paid that off and now realizing kind of back to our conversation about the, you know, the value of having an interest only revolving line of credit in many cases, if your situation warrants it, I'm look, they don't offer lines of credit and they don't have business banking products at all. So they're great for what they do. They just aren't operating in the space that I need a lot of these things now. So I started working with some, you know, I have another uh, bank that I use for business stuff and they're okay, but they're, again, they're, they're a big corporate, big box lender. They're not really going to sit down and have a personal representative in the local branch who can sit down, uh, you know, where everything's in house. And, you know, a lot of times you're just kind of a number in their vast system. And unfortunately I've felt very much like that's what I am to them. And I don't feel like 
they value our business relationship. And that's something to really be aware of. If you are putting your money in a bank, even if it's just a regular personal checking account, that makes banks a lot of money. They make their money off of demand deposit accounts like checking and savings accounts because they have the whole fractional reserve lending ratio. So they can take $1 that you put in there, you know, in the checking account, lend it out to 10 other people. And so they're making a lot of money for the money that's sitting in those bank accounts that we have talked repeatedly about are really not making anybody that's sitting in those bank accounts on the consumer side any money right now. Right. So a couple things I heard you say was, one, get to know the bank by consistency, so getting set up, but also know the products before you even start that relationship because you don't want to to start building a consistent relationship with a bank that may not even have what you need it to have down the road. That's just just a no-brainer. And then building the relationship with a bank sounds like uh, it could be in your best interest to find a smaller, more local bank to be able to build that relationship with, given that the products that they have to offer are competitive. Yes, and that they're unique and that they have a lot of flexibility in what they can do. So, you know, um, I don't know if it was this podcast, but I know I've talked at one point about um, what are called portfolio lenders. And this is not something you can just Google and find a list like a lot of other things. It's kind of one of those things, it's just like, you just hear about it or somebody tells you or it's word of mouth or whatever. Um, but now there are some limitations, like, you know, for one instance, the bank that I'm really impressed with and hoping to, um, you know, establish a long-term relationship with now, they only are able to work in Colorado. So neither one of my LLCs ironically is in Colorado. So I'm having, that's a, a thing that I was just having to deal with last night and this morning is like, shoot, I hadn't even thought about that. Cause that's never been a problem. Cause I always had a big international bank where that was never even a thought or an issue. So that's one thing to be aware of. But again, doing your homework, finding out what um, what lenders can offer as, terms in, as far as the products that they offer and where they operate, as well as where you need to be. There's one, another bank I've looked at has an amazing product that almost sounded too good to be true. And there you have a large footprint, but they're really, really strict about if you, if we don't have a location in your local area, we absolutely, you can't be a customer and work with us on this. And they're like non-negotiable about that. And I was like, dang it, I would just wish my zip code was different, you know? <laughs> it's time to move. You know? Right, well, or set up some kind of entity where you could, I mean, you know, Funny who knows? thing, I'm looking at buying a house in your zip code. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I yeah. Uh, just put an APU on the, uh, no. So it's like, you know, those are just like weird little, you know, things. And spending some time online, like I didn't even know these products or, you know, lenders existed, but... With the one I'm working with now, you know, as we've been talking about, I'm very interested in a an interest-only revolving line of credit that is probably going to have to be unsecured in my case because a lot of, I don't have, a, you know, our business is very intangible as far as like, you know, the val- how do we value our book of business as a life insurance agent or even as a financial planner? It's all like intangible, you know, paper assets. It's not like I have necessarily, unless I happen to buy a commercial building for an office or whatever, it's not like I have equipment, machinery, accounts receivable or inventory, so to speak, in any tangible sense. Just a solid network. Just a solid right. network and <laughs> a lot of ones and zeros moving around electronically, right? right? So right. that's where it's like, okay, we can't. So I talked to my bank a while ago about this, and they're and you know the guy got on the phone. He's very helpful and knowledgeable. He's like, yeah, I'll just be honest with you. We are, we're just a stodgy old bank. We're very traditional. We're not. That's just not the stuff we get into. But he referred me to another lender that has been good, but they're not local. And um, I just want to have a local relationship with someone I can walk into 
for this particular bank, actually, actually it's credit union, and that's something to understand the difference between. Sometimes credit unions can offer different products and strategies. Hit, that, hit that tangent real quick. So credit unions, and I, again, I'm learning all this, you know, in real time, but they are manage they're member focused. You have to be a member of a credit union. And it's kind of almost in a sense, it sounds to me, don't quote me on this, similar to the mutual model with life insurance, where all of the members are shareholders, they get paid, you know, distributions or dividends on certain things. And because um, they're also nonprofits, usually, I think they can sometimes offer different and sometimes more competitive or uh, better products that fit your particular need, depending on the case. And that's been the case for me. So because somebody else that we know and work with had worked with this particular bank and or credit union and lender, they told me about something and their underwriting was unbelievably quick. It sounded too good to be true. I was like, no way. So I called up the lender. I talked to her on the phone for a good two or three hours and she just walked me through. And usually, again, I'm used to people where I'm having to explain to them how their product works. And she was able to tackle every nuanced, weird, outside the box question and then I referred one of my very, you know, high net worth VIP clients to them. And he got a HELOC underwriting from the time he got on the phone with the initial lender to the time they had an underwriting decision was between two to four hours. Wow. So in That's within a day, they could start the application and you'd have a full underwriting decision. If you have, all, you know, all the information Talk about by that afternoon. Right. So I was like, wow, that's and now it's not going to close necessarily that quickly, but to get right. an underwriting decision in less than 24 hours is just unbelievable. Yeah, it's phenomenal. So another thing that I heard you say was you're talking about building a relationship with a bank. It sounds like you're literally talking about a personal relationship. Yeah. And so building a relationship with a bank isn't necessarily this hypothetical kind of like floaty concept that's like, I don't know what that actually means. Like what that literally means is actually getting on the phone with the people in the back office or with a, whatever have you, whatever mm -hmm. office they're in and making sure that they understand first and foremost their products and they know how to operate them well because mm -hmm. in your client's case, that's what added to the to the speed at which they got yes, the response. Exactly. It was the knowledge of the individuals on the other end of the phone. So yes. you're building a relationship with those people. You're actually getting to know their names yep. and all of the above. Absolutely. So and they're getting to know yours. And another thing that's important about that model is um, when you have a local direct lender, they do everything in-house. So a lot of times with like a big bank or uh, lender, they're going to have, you know, their client facing, you know, loan officer or whoever. Then there's like a case processor or loan processor. Then there's the underwriter and there's just all this layers of bureaucracy. Somebody's probably in a call center in Florida all the way across the country. You're never getting the same person or oh, they heaven, take forever. Heaven forbid they're in Florida. Or wherever. <laughs> they're just like, it's totally disconnected, right? Whereas in this case, it's everybody's physically down the street in one building. This person gets off the phone, walks over across the room or to the other cubicle passes it to that person and that's how they're able to get a full decision from start to finish in two to four hours and it's just amazing so that them being completely vertically integrated where they have everything there is really important so that they don't have layers of bureaucracy and back and forth they also are going to be able to um if they're a portfolio lender in a lot of cases what that means is Many banks don't, and we talked about this previously in our all-in-one loan episode with uh, Paul, where we talked about real estate myths and stuff like that. Yep. And um, one thing that is important to understand is that most of the time when you get a loan, 
that is not held on the books of the originating lender. The person that you actually talk to, so say you go to, you know, I don't know, just fill in the blank, right? Fells Wargo or whatever. And then you, uh, you get a loan a lot of times, not always, and I don't pretend to know all this, but um, I would say probably the majority of the time for certain lenders, they're just selling, they're, they're selling your loan in a prepackaged pool of securities. And this is, if this sounds like 2008, that's because that's what this is. It still happens. It's just that it was done very poorly at that time, but they'll set, they'll pool a bunch of loans together of individual, you know, mortgage borrowers or whoever else package them into thousands of these loans together. And that becomes a mortgage backed security or a collateralized debt obligation. And those get sell. Those are, you know, investors buy these and then they get sold in many cases to the agencies, Fannie, Freddie, you know, all those people. And when the government is going to guarantee a loan like that, there are certain standards they have. So it has to be what's called a conforming product. And that is non-negotiable. I've been trying to get a VA loan for the last couple of years and it being self-employed with less than 24 months of history was an absolute nightmare. And when you're talking to a local direct lender, if they're keeping the loan on their own books, which just makes sense to me, because like we talked about last week, there should be an alignment of interest. If the person underwriting the loan has no skin in the game because they're not keeping the risk and they're just selling it to someone else who's selling it to someone else, that's how you get 2008, right? So I, very, very different environment now, a lot tighter underwriting standards. But it's, it's nice because sometimes they can invest. So a big one that comes up is getting a HELOC on an investment property, right? And as we've talked about before, HELOCs are a great source of liquidity and they work really well together with the whole infinite banking concept, especially when we're talking about these, you know, uh, private market opportunities. But it's getting a lot tougher now in the last three to six months as the environment has shifted significantly. A lot of those lenders that were offering really nice rates and terms uh, on all kinds of properties are now offering much more restricted terms, and a lot of them are only offering it on a primary residence, just to use a HELOC as an example. So this may sound like a repeat question because we've already talked about the importance of getting ahead of it, but when is a good time to start building that relationship? Because as, as you just said, they, the interest rates may have shifted. I mean, even the cost of a house may have changed and fluctuated a little bit uh, as opposed to where it might have been last summer. Uh, but even then, even if it's not like there's a, f I, I don't foresee using a HELOC in the, in the next two months, is it still a good time to start building that relationship with that bank? Yeah, absolutely. Because not only do you want that relationship built, but you want, again, figure it's going to take, unless you get a really, really crazy opportunity, like the one I just talked about most of the time that the clients that I've had go through this process in the last year or so. It could take two to three months sometimes just to get a HELOC on one property, let alone a primary and an investment property. There's just a lot of paperwork. Again, if you're working with a big box lender where it takes two weeks to get papers from one place to another, then that can be a really big process. The other big thing about that, and we talked about this last year, was positioning. It's just like, look, hey, we're in a super bubble right now. A lot of asset classes are just unsustainable. Go get your line of credit. If you're going to get a HELOC, Get the value of your property now. Get the line of credit set up, especially, and that's why I like a line of credit. There's there's something to be said for a fixed rate cash out refinance loan. But the thing I love about a line of credit is the flexibility. So if you don't necessarily need money right now, back to your question, Kyle, which is what I'm doing. I don't necessarily need any of this money or you know any loans right now, but I know that if and when the opportunity comes, I'm sure going to be glad that I had it and it costs me nothing 
in the meantime. So th- it's I'd say as soon as possible is the best time. That's a good response. Well, hopefully this added value to you today as you were listening to the conversation. But as always, if you're interested in diving deeper and going to the next level on any of these topics, then we would encourage you to reach out to us because we, first and foremost, love financial education and two, love building relationships. So it would be an absolute blast to hear from you guys and get some feedback. Feel free to just shoot us feedback over uh, the email and even ask us for more content or what you're looking for specifically. We've gotten some feedback already and we're excited to act on response to that feedback and start putting together some content that would suffice. Uh, But yeah, this is like a conversation that we are looking to have with our audience and we're very thankful that you guys are listening. Yeah, and again, just to be clear, we are not lenders, we're not you know bankers or anything like that, but we're just people who are figuring this out along with you guys. We may be a little bit ahead of you, we might even be behind you, because like I said, I've learned a ton from my clients and other you know investors and friends and people in my network. But um, you know, this is a, just an area that I think uh, I didn't know about, and if you guys you know uh, having access to that network, like you said, that's you know not just with the bank or lender or whatever, whatever, but just a, a group, a tribe, like you said, of like-minded people who can help each other out. That's what we're doing this for. And uh, I totally agree with Kyle. It, we would love to hear feedback. If there's something specific that you have a burning desire or question about, then let us know and we will definitely plan to address it. Yep. And I know I've plugged this in the past, but I do host a networking group that I'm starting to rebrand it. Instead of calling it a networking group, we're now starting to call it a financial strategy group mm, or an yeah. investment strategy group. Uh, because really what we do is it's, it's like you said, it's a like-minded group that comes together and we're all looking for different ways to get creative with the money that we have. And so we brought in a bunch of people to come and present and share that are experts in their fields that have years and years and years under their belt and know what they're talking about. And then we've been able to ask them questions. And uh, someone was walking away one time and said, it's like being in a mini master class. You're sitting down with someone who's absolutely mastered this mm-hmm. specific specific area of expertise and then you've got access to them in a small room with like 20 some other people so if you're interested in getting plugged into that then please shoot me an email at kkempers at unbridledwealth.com because i would be happy to plug you in it's fun we do like the first saturday of every month in the morning have breakfast and then just uh talk about financial strategies and get case studies in front of us yeah that's awesome and of course as always you can go to wisdomofwealth.co Uh, You can also just schedule an appointment, I believe. Uh, There's a link that takes you to another page where you can look through a number of uh, Kyle, me, a lot of other people have their their, uh, profiles up where you can schedule a Calendly appointment. So we hope to be talking to you guys personally in the near future. Go get to know a bank. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Hopefully what we shared was valuable, whether it encouraged you or challenged you. Our goal is to equip you to make better financial decisions. So engage with us at wisdomofwealth.co. We want to connect with you and continue the conversation. Make an appointment today. Ryan, myself, or anyone else from the Wisdom of Wealth team would love to meet with you. We look forward to talking more. And again, that's wisdomofwealth.co. See you on the next episode.